0: Hello, I'm Rob Walker.
1: And I'm Emily Eccles.
0: And this is the brand new Civil Service Pensions podcast.
1: We work for MyCSP, the Scheme Administrator for Civil Service Pensions. We're communicators and we're passionate about making the complicated seem straightforward.
0: But we don't know everything there is to know about pensions.
1: That's why we're using this podcast to learn alongside you we'll go back to basics to help you get to grips with your civil service pension and make more informed choices about your financial future.
0: In every episode, we'll be chatting to expert guests and members of the scheme to find out how to get the most out of your pension and why it's one of the best in the UK public sector.
1: Today we're chatting to Linda, a former civil servant, about her journey through the world of work and into retirement and how your pension can make your retirement the best years yet.
0: Hi everyone and hello Linda. Uh, It's lovely to meet you. Thank you for taking the time to come and talk to us today.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for asking me.
1: So Linda, can we start off with you telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, the role that you had in the civil service and what that was like?
2: Well, I had a great time working for the Inland Revenue and then for HM Revenue and Customs. I was uh, uh, started out as a casual. I ended up doing the full inspector training, so I was an investigator. At the same time, I was involved in the Departmental um, Trade Union, Inland Revenue Staff Federation, which has now become the PCS, and I did a lot of work for them which really brought me into touch with all sorts of people throughout the department and I really enjoyed that. At the same time I went, uh, I was on secondment for about almost two years to the union to replace somebody who died and then I decided to come back into the department and I was lucky enough to get a job in HR. So I did all sorts of different work for HR including running a huge team across the UK about being a troubleshooter and finally um, an investigator again but this time in grievances. Wow that's an amazingly varied
0: and illustrious career. Yeah. So well, how long were you in the civil service for Linda? Um,
2: I was in the civil service finally for 45 years. Wow.
0: Crikey. That's
2: amazing. So I was a bit elderly when I retired.
0: <laughs> well you certainly don't seem elderly now so retirement is <laughs> clearly wearing well for you. So how did it feel when you were sort of preparing to get ready to leave after being there for so long?
2: Well, I knew I had to prepare because uh, I'll just tell you a story about meeting. When I was very young, I met a colleague who had had to retire at the age of either 60 or 65 called Bill. And I met him when he was out on a walk in in Cardiff. And I said, hi, Bill, how are you? And he said, I'm still really, really angry about having to retire from the department. And he went on about how cross he was. And six months later, he died of a heart attack. That taught me a lesson early on about you really need to prepare yourself for retirement because it's such a big change. I reckon when I was talking to a colleague who also retired that we both used about 85% of our emotional energy on our work. And so that's quite a lot of energy and it's also quite a lot of time that you spend working. I went on a course shortly before I retired and I used the R word. I admitted I was going to be retiring. And the course leader just blanked me for the rest of the time on that course. And that was a really useful thing to learn. So I decided that when I retired, I was never going to tell people I'm retired. I just identify myself in terms of my volunteering, both for a charity and for a campaigning organisation, the Civil Service Pensioners Alliance. I also am a volunteer at uh, Southwark Cathedral, so I describe myself as a volunteer. I describe myself as a librarian because I run the college, one of the college libraries for a few hours each week. And I also describe myself as a student because I'm on a six-year part-time course ending up with a degree in theology, I hope.
0: Wow.
1: Wow, that's amazing.
0: So, so you're still kind of defining yourself by the things that you do. Mm. I suppose the difference is that that's not linked to any one place or organisation, it's just up to you where you go and where you point your energy.
2: People like to stick labels on you and they also like to be able to talk to you about what you're doing. So if you say I'm retired, that stops that sort of conversation in its tracks. If you say you're a volunteer, you can talk about your volunteering work or about your, my library work. You know, I, I can now catalogue books. How great is that? <laughs> but I, w- I wonder why that is. I
0: wonder why you know, you, this person on this course who, who kind of blanked you when You told her that you were retired, has kind of missed an opportunity to learn more about somebody who's actually doing things that are far more interesting than 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 you were able to do when you were working.
2: Well, I had an interesting job. I've always had interesting work to do, I've always had good colleagues to talk to who have supported me through some bad times. So I've always had that sort of luxury anyway, but also as a postmenopausal woman, men often blank you. I was blanked by somebody who, when I was waiting for my cup of coffee somewhere, he just didn't see me, and it was the woman next to him who saw me and who nudged him. That there was a customer standing in front of him, it's, it is unconscious bias. Yeah. Um, but it's something that not many people are aware they're doing. It
0: feels like there's another podcast episode in there. Somewhere. Absolutely,
1: I'm making notes right now.
2: Um, <laughs> okay, that's
1: that's so interesting. Like there's already the stuff that we're talking about that just wouldn't ever occur to us because we're not at that stage of our lives yet.
2: Well, you should think about it now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and
0: hopefully this will prompt other people to think about it as well.
1: Exactly, Mm. exactly. So, Linda, you mentioned that you're um, Deputy Chair of the Civil Service Pensioners Alliance. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Well, today this year it's our 70th anniversary of being set up by former trade unions who realised that civil service pensioners have something to do for each other, and that is to ensure that um, people are protected as best they can be. My CSP is a useful organisation, and I know that uh, the Civil Service Pensions Alliance work closely with you. We've got some personal casework going, for example. We are a small organisation. We have a handful of full-time staff or only part-time staff um, I'm on the executive council with some regional representatives and some national council members And we work with other pension organisations and we are basically a campaigning organisation for pensioners in general and civil service pensioners in particular. And I'm one of the civil service pensioners who's been affected by the fact that I allegedly have been overpaid by my pension, but I'm exploring that. And we have a person who specialises in civil service pensions. She knows everything about every scheme. A really valuable colleague to have that sort of technical knowledge as well. And um, I'm really enjoying it because we're also looking at things like the triple lock. We're also looking at social care, care of the elderly, terminal care. And the NHS is important organisation for us. So we have our fingers in an awful lot of pies. And we also have groups of members who get together to campaign, members who get together to have a good social time as well. (laughs) So it's it's a really excellent small organisation and I'm very pleased that I've been involved in it now.
1: Mm, That's amazing, sounds really valuable for pension members to know about, absolutely. So when did you retire again, sorry Linda?
2: I retired finally at the 31st December 2019. I should explain that about two and a half years before that I was, um, somebody touched my shoulder to ask me to become uh, the investigator in a set of three complex grievances. And that delayed my retirement
1: right. because okay. it
2: was very difficult work. It was highly toxic with people who really didn't like each other. And it had a long history, a long, complicated history. So the investigation took some time because there were a number of people I had to interview And so, as a result, I finished the three reports in August 2019. I thought, goodness me, it's about time I should finally retire. And I had two months of frenetic activity because I was determined to reclaim at least some of the hundred surplus hours that I had in my records and also to take all my leave. So I finally left the office at the end of October. But what really helped me was about five years before when I qualified for my pension, I decided to take partial retirement. Okay. Now, I don't know if that's covered in all the schemes we have, but if you have, it's a really good way of preparing for retirement. I had my lump sum. I had my half pay, um, my, my pension, and I also worked for 18 hours a week. So I was also in work, but I had less work and I was had more time to spend if you like, preparing for retirement, you know, sorting out what I'd like to be doing. And when I was going to do it, like I didn't start my degree course then, I'd have found it impossible to do with the kind of horrible work that I was having to do. And I also decided to renovate my house after my retirement, which was another excellent decision because I do not know after having had, I'm now in my eighth month of work on the house. I do not know how I could have coped with even a part-time job, with all the decisions that you have to make almost every day that are going to impact on your life for the rest of your life in that house. So it's really stressful, as well as the jury service, as well as the essay deadlines. Oh my gosh! So I don't don't think think I could have coped with any of that. In addition to
0: making me feel tired, (laughs) I'm exhausted. Yeah.
2: So,
0: <laughs> so you, you kind of eased yourself into it then, using the mechanism of partial retirement.
2: I did, and because I feel really, really sorry for people, so especially more senior people who really have a, made a lifestyle choice with their work, because it eats into weekends and evenings. And they're a pivotal focus for the people around them. And they're working flat out until, say, four o'clock on Friday, and then there's nothing. Well, Yeah. I think that must be a really hard thing to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean you're obviously someone who's got an enormous amount of energy and sort of passion for life. So now you're fully retired, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? What, what, you
2: doing what am yourself? I doing? Um I'm In my work for Southwark Cathedral, I'm an office volunteer, so I help one of the canons with rotors. I'm um, a guide for Southwark Cathedral, so that gives me a chance to meet some really nice people and share with them some of the lovely things we have in Southwark Cathedral. I'm also a steward, so I'm involved in the administration of services. I'm a student at St Augustine's, which is accredited by the University of Durham, so I have you know regular visits to West Mulling, which is a beautiful old abbey, which also has some really good up-to-date classrooms and and educational areas. I run the library at Trinity House, Borough High Street. I, what else do I do? I'm a member of a... I do cultural stuff as well. You know, I, I love art. Um, my second degree was in history of art. I keep up with the museums in London. Well, I don't really keep up with the museums in London because that'd be a full-time job. <laughs> but I go to a lot of exhibitions with friends. And mm. and apart from that, I, I do a lot of reading and I've got the house renovations. And so my time is fully occupied. Sounds idyllic.
1: That's amazing.
2: But yes. But it is a case of trying to... I have head- deadlines are made for me by other organisations such as um, the, the Civil Service uh, Pensioners' Alliance where I'm deputy chair. And so sometimes I have a real clash of deadlines. I've got to essay, like recently I was really under stress when I was had jury service and an essay deadline and I had to spend 10 days out of my house because I didn't have a bathroom. And that really put me under a lot of pressure and I learnt from that. I got an extension on the essay and I got a really good mark back from from it, from the marker just yesterday as it happened. And when you go through a hard time, it's important to think through how come it's so hard for you and you also have to think through how can I manage stress better? So it's a bit like being at work because the art of being at work is how can you manage this stressful work better? Yeah, Yeah, And that's something in retirement and retirement should be something you think about, you plan for. I had a colleague once who had a who mapped, had a, a diagram showing he how many paydays he had until his retirement in 10 years' time. Oh, and I every know. month he solemnly crossed off the date, <laughs> which I did think that was a little bit excessive, <laughs> <laughs> not to mention it obsessive.
1: Sounds like someone who's, who's just got a plan, who's, yeah, who's yeah, ready no, for it. it, does, and that's, it that's so interesting. And you've got
2: to think about money as well. Yeah, Um, It's really important to think, and I've always been a saver ever since I was five years old, buying saving stamps at my primary school. And I've always tried very hard to put something away, however small, which helped me to fund my first degree when I uh, didn't have any financial support from my parents. And that was a bit hard. But then being really poor when you're young means that the rest of your life feels much easier somehow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So when you really don't know where the next pound was coming from, that is a bit... Grueling, but it also means that I am very aware of money. I've done counselling work for the Charity for Civil Servants when I used to go and help people with their applications for help. So I saw the inside of social housing and council housing and people who are desperate and destitute. I once had to help somebody who only had half a packet of cereal in her cupboard and a few tea bags, and I took her off to the local supermarket to spend twenty pounds on the essentials for everyday life. And it was interesting to see what she had thought were essentials. And so, when you've had been exposed to that sort of poverty, it means that you really think about it and you're careful with money. And I always pay my credit card off every month without fail. Yeah. And um, and I I I. I didn't plan particularly well. I mean, I've still got a life insurance policy, which has given me better returns than any money in any bank account can give me. And also credit unions are good, because I'm a strong believer in investing in a credit union. So you're helping people who really find it difficult to get any sort of credit. Mm. And that, I think, is important as well, you know, the social use of your money. And also, in my last years, when I had a salary, I was trying to invest in some good quality coats and raincoats. That's <laughs> good on the good And also, I've got lots and lots of thermal underwear. <laughs> I really do believe in thermal underwear. Because one of the things is, if you're at home all the time, you're spending money on electricity or gas.
1: Yes, well, people are noticing that now more than ever, I think, now that with yeah. a lot of people working from home these days. Absolutely. Which
2: is why I'm getting foam lined plaster boards and all external walls in the house as a way of insulating it. And I noticed the effect immediately in my study when I suddenly thought, gosh, I'm hot. <laughs> yes, how, how lovely. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, it's a good idea to think these things through before you retire. So got, you can spend your money preparing for how you're going to keep warm.
1: Yes, that makes a lot of sense. So thinking back to when you were approaching your retirement date and you'd made that decision, do you, looking back, do you feel, does your retirement now look and feel how you expected it to feel?
2: Yes, in some ways I think I'm guilty of recreating a working environment, but then perhaps I like working, perhaps I get a lot of pleasure from working harder essays and perhaps I get a lot of pleasure from being with people, Mm -hmm. whether it's the people I'm taking round the cathedral or I'm helping to uh, get up for communion. Mm. Or the people I'm helping in the office. I'm you know, I, I have an office environment which is the cathedral office environment. Mm-hmm. And it's quite a different sort of office, but it's there's some lovely people there. And I'm rich with my friends. I have a, had more time for my friends than I had when I was working, and that's lovely.
1: Yeah.
2: And I've been very lucky with my friends and some really good hearted people. And also I'm working with some of my former colleagues from the trade union movement, and that's lovely. You know, people who've known me and I've known them going back into the 70s. And we're still working and we're still thinking about our members and we're still trying hard to represent the interests of civil service pensioners and pensioners in general. Because uh, there's a lot of poverty in the retired Mm -hmm. population. Mm
0: -hmm. So retirement's given you an opportunity to kind of almost learn that about yourself, you know, that you thrive off being engaged yes. in those kind of activities. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I live a life that is a life of self-examination, as you can imagine. My connection with the church means you do think about what have you been doing wrong recently, Linda? <laughs> or when you have messed it up yet again. And it's always a learning. I mean, as a lead steward, I believed very much that my job is to help people thrive and grow and develop. And that probably means making some mistakes. But mistakes are not blame areas there, you analyse them, you work out what has happened, why it's happened, and is there any way in which you can improve that particular problem or improve that particular situation, or perhaps the person needs to develop a bit more skills, people skills. Mm. so I'm I'm really and also as a librarian I find I talk to an awful lot of students (laughs) and we have some really good chin wax because I suffer like them the essay crisis (laughs) Mm. (laughs) where I share the pain (laughs) (laughs) of not understanding an article you know what on earth is Rowan Williams going on about Discovering so, um, new depth so of empathy <laughs> so we have some rich conversations at times, mm. some really life enhancing conversations with people who are training to be priests, for example, I'm not, I'm just doing it for my own benefit, if you like, and for understanding uh, religion better, mm. Mm. and understanding spirituality better. Because I do like to live a life of self-examination. Mm. I do I go and have quiet times with the friends, believe it or not, because they do zoom meetings for half an hour, first thing in the morning on a couple of days a week. so I really enjoyed that. so yes, mm. and you're, you're allowed to knit as well during the silent meeting that's allowed. so I can the do some knitting. <laughs> so I can center. do some knitting and I can do some thinking and I can stare out of the window and I can do some meditation mm. and I enjoy that as well. I don't enjoy early morning yoga. I mean, I do early morning yoga because it's good for me. Mm. I must admit, I do clock watch during the lesson.
1: You're <laughs> <laughs> very disciplined, by the well, sound of it.
2: I
0: suppose you know you've got you've got the time and space to be able mm-hmm. to. You can dedicate as much time as you want to enjoying these things, can't you? And you, you spoke earlier about. Um, you know sometimes or well, you would had moments where you felt like really stressed with mm. all of these things kind of piling up on top of you and you took a moment to step back and say hang on a second you know I'm actually in control of all of this here and and kind of
2: found a way to kind of manage that I suppose well when I ran the welfare service for the department it's one of the great jobs I've had along with the HR advisors We were going through a hard time because the welfare service was being privatised. And I remember somebody at a meeting in London, because we called them in every month for a meeting in London to support them, my manager, who was very good, and I. And somebody realised that she was also going to be possibly privatised, her work was going to be privatised and she might have to go with it. And she burst into tears. Mm. But being welfare trained, she sat there through her sob saying, I am responsible for my reaction. I am responsible for my reaction. And I took that away with me and I thought, that's right. If I feel angry, I shouldn't necessarily act on my emotion. I should go away and cool down and think it through and then go and deal with the issue. Mm I learned that fairly early on when I was a, f- a fairly new manager and somebody did something quite heinous that made me really, really cross. So I took myself off for a walk to cool down before he had the uh, difficult conversation with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a good mantra to have. It certainly um, is. I am in control. What was it? I'm in control I, of my reaction. I am
2: reaction. responsible for my reaction. I'm responsible for and my that's reaction. very true. Mm. That really is true because I saw somebody tearing a strip off somebody else in a public space, which should never happen. Mm and I went to the person who'd been had the strip torn off them and I said that person is responsible for their reaction yes. you are not yes
0: mm. Absolutely. that's very good advice sounds like a life of lots and lots of lessons you're clearly good at taking lessons from things that you experience in life so i suppose if you could if you could turn back time is there anything that you'd change or that you'd do differently
2: mm. No, and I'm not being complacent about that. It's because my understanding of life is that things happen. Mm. And when things happen, they can be good things that happen or they can be bad things that happen. And I learned early on when my mother died when I was 13 that the worst thing you can imagine can happen in this life and that's affected my outlook ever since. I'm enormously grateful for the time I had with my mother. But I had to learn early on that people died. And that's a really good life lesson to learn early on. It was very traumatic for me, my brother and sister. Our family life was severely impacted by the remarriage of my father, our father in a way that was toxic for all three of us. But again, because of that, we really had a very strong sibling relationship. And also, I've just been enormously grateful for the fact that, while well, I'm still here, some horrible things have happened like last two years of my life in the department were pretty toxic. But I had a really supportive manager. I had really supportive colleagues around me. I could talk freely to them. They were very kind and loving. It's a bit odd to talk about your civil service colleagues in that way, but they were. Mm. And so I'm very grateful that I had to do something really difficult. And best of all, I finished it. It's that particular... (laughs) set of circumstances had seen off two other investigation managers who quickly took early retirement
0: (laughs) it's funny because you you hear people talk about the civil service family and i suppose that's the first time i've heard someone talk about it in that way that sort of you know you kind of felt that i suppose when you worked there
2: oh yes um work is where a lot of people meet their life partner after all (laughs) Yeah, And work is where you make some friends that share the experience with you. I'm still in touch with the various ways with people that I know new at work. I'm leading a walk on Thursday around the war memorials in central London for a group of retired customs and revenue people. who in London. So we get together and we organise outings for each other and the outing I've got on Thursday is a guided walk around the monuments of of London. So when we finish here I'll be off to finish off the research and do a practice walk tomorrow to oh, get the my, timing right. Oh my gosh, don't let my dad hear you say that. He loves things like that. He would <laughs> bite your arm after that. <laughs> well walking is very good. I've got some good friends that I walk with. You learn a lot about each other on a walk.
1: Yes, I agree. I agree. So what advice would you give to someone who's maybe coming up to retirement in the next few years or even more imminently than that? Have you got any words of wisdom?
2: Well, I don't have words of wisdom. I've got some advice based on my experiences that you may be very scared about retiring. I think a lot of people are because they don't know what they're going to do. Well, think it through. What do you really enjoy doing? What are your strengths? What would enrich your life? Think of it in that way, not in terms of taking up time because otherwise you'd be bored. What do you really enjoy doing? And then go and do it and do it with some other people as well. Whatever it is, you're bound to find like-minded people who also enjoy doing that. University of the Third Age, for example, is a great organisation. I love taking University of the Third Age members around the cathedral because we always have such interesting conversations. Because they're they're interested, and they're interesting, and they're interested like I am in lots of things. So work to your strengths and do something you really want to do.
0: That's lovely. I suppose I can imagine for some people, like, you know, if you're, say, in your 20s or 30s, you know, hearing that... You know, you, you're obviously not thinking about retirement at, at that sort of age. So, you know, casting your mind back on thinking about your experiences in retirement now, you know, what, what would you say to someone at that age who might not be thinking about retirement and might not even be prioritising, say, things like pension payments and that sort of thing?
2: My advice would be uh, enjoy your working life, but recognise that at some time it's probably going to end. And so you have to think about it, how you are protected against, for example, serious illness. Now, working in the civil service, to some extent, you are protected because of our sickness absence provisions. But also, you've got to recognise that at the end of it all, you could be in abject, abject poverty. A state pension is not enough (laughs) and pension credits is not enough. So it's a good idea to really think through. I mean, I decided in 1998 to go and buy a house because I'd been renting after my brother and I had sold the house that we'd uh, been living in. And it's a good job I did it then. (laughs) (laughs) I would not want to be retired now on my current pension paying the rent of a one-bedroom flat in Walthamstow where I live. Mm -hmm. I've got a a three-bedroom Victorian terrace instead that I own. And that's made a big, big difference. Yeah,
0: I suppose it's one of those things, isn't it, that you can you can almost set it and forget it, can't you? You can set that, that train rolling, that pension train rolling when you're in your 20s or 30s and then it comes to retirement and it's, it's there okay. waiting for you.
2: The sooner you can do it, start, the better. And I, I think it really is that having been in debt at one stage of my life myself and having been abjectly poor at another state of my life, I, I think that neither are to be recommended. <laughs> yeah. They're lived experiences, but if that's your only way of experiencing retirement, you're going to have a tough old life, and it won't be enjoyable, and you won't be able to grow and develop. You'll be thinking about it all the time.
1: That's a really good point.
0: Wow, that, this has been great, yeah. hasn't
1: it? Just, thank you so much for, for joining us today and for, for telling us about your life. It's been feel really inspired. Yeah, it's been
0: a real, like, you know, it's been really, like, fascinating and just, you know, we feel very lucky that you've taken the time to share your story with us.
2: Well, I've I've enjoyed it because it's helped me think about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, and that's always (laughs) good, isn't it? Self-examination,
1: as you said. Self-examination
2: is good. (laughs) Good for the soul, good for the heart, good for the mind.
1: (laughs) Oh, what a lovely note to end on. Thank you so much, Linda. If you'd like to find out more about anything that we've talked about today or tell us about something you'd like to hear on this podcast in the future, head to civilservicepensionscheme.org.uk podcast.
0: If you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure you follow or subscribe uh, so you never miss an episode. You can also leave us a review wherever you get your podcast.
1: Thanks again for joining us.